And you always got assigned to work with a man who didn't like you, didn't think you ought to be in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Women in the Navy was an outrage, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Well, after you'd worked with them a while and done your best, you won them over and you never had a bit of, and never had another bit of trouble. My heroes, they give love. Hello and welcome to The New Hip, the podcast determined to make older folks relevant again. For this episode of The New Hip, I interview Virginia True. She's 99 years old when I interviewed her, and she was one of the first female Navy commanders. And her story goes way back. And uh, it's super, she's, she's super interesting. I really like her a lot. Um, okay. Hello, and welcome to The New Hip, the podcast determined to make older folks relevant again. For this episode of The New Hip, I interview Virginia True. Virginia was one of the first female Navy commanders in history. She was 99 when I interviewed her a few years ago. She's since passed away. She passed away at 100, but she has a story certainly worth telling, and uh, I got a lot from the interview. But first, let's talk about the people that make this happen. The new hip features the music of the Jin X Group's album Songs for Liz. And the, so the show is brought to you by the Springfield, Missouri Convention and Visitors Bureau. Why not give yourself a weekend in Springfield, Missouri? A weekend of unforgettable family experiences, outdoor adventure, unique dining options to satisfy every palate, craft breweries, live entertainment, and more. A weekend in Springfield, Missouri, where a masking ordinance is in effect, along with social distancing guidelines to keep you and the rest of the community safe. Visit SpringfieldMo.org to start planning your weekend trip to Springfield, Missouri. I like it. You would like it. I like it. I'm here lots of weekends, most weekends. It's also brought to you by the History Museum on the Square. Really the best new attraction by the readers of USA Today. It's a very impressive museum. You don't even have to be from the area to like it. Wild Bill Hickok, Route 66, all kinds of cool things. All right, it's time to make older folks relevant again. It's time for the new hip. So I interviewed Virginia at a nursing home, and uh, we were in a conference room, and, and she was... She was wheeled in, and, uh, and we had a nice conversation. So again, she was 99 when I interviewed her. It's a little bit slower. Um, I took out some pauses and that sort of stuff, but um, it, it's so worth it. She was very, very cute for 99, and um, you know her story starts with Pearl Harbor. I think she has a really great sense of humor, too, and, and she, she still has a woman come and read to her. Like I really love um, hearing her story of continuing to to be interested in learning and and all that stuff so uh here is my interview with virginia true and we start with pearl harbor and you do you remember pearl harbor oh yes yeah i imagine oh yes i was uh i think in those days when you washed a slip you had to iron it mm-hmm and so I had iron some slips, and I was in the home economic, home economics department in the Elkader High School. And my a friend called me and said, "Turn on your radio." Mm -hmm. And that's when I heard that Pearl Harbor had been bombed. Yeah. Of course, that uh, 
after that, I knew, after I got in the Navy, I knew there were scads that I, I knew who had lived through it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had interesting stories to tell about hiding under a bush and running here and there and trying to get away from the Japanese shells. Oh my gosh. So, uh, so going back further, you, where'd you grow up? In Green County. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what sort of, did you live in town, on a farm? We, lived, we had a farm. It was uh, about 10 miles straight out Kearney Street. Uh -huh. it's, I think the land now is in the airport. Oh, yeah. It's that, so that's, I think it's, that land has been taken yeah. to, as part of the airport. Oh yeah, um, and what was your what were your early what were your early days like? Well, just like any childhood, I we I have a reader who comes in and reads to me. Mm -hmm. She's a Drury College student, and so she she's reading uh, Billy Carter, uh, Jimmy Carter's autobiography to me now mm -hmm. and it was it's very interesting his early childhood and things he did when he was little was very very much like mine oh yeah it, it just it was just an ordinary growing up process on the farm yeah and I've enjoyed it very much and what what did you what did you have on the farm did you have Animals, animals, and wheat and corn and oats, and we had two hundred and eighty acres there. Mm -hmm. So then, so then you were in high school in home economics class when, when Pearl Harbor happened, and then when did you? What did you do during during the war? What do you remember of it? I just remember how distressed my dad was. I think that's what worried me the most. He was so upset mm -hmm. about it. He had been so upset when the British were, had been chased off of Normandy mm -hmm. in 1942, I guess that. No, that was. But so I think it was about 1938, 39. And I know he, when he, he heard that the British had been chased off of back to England. He was very much distressed. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that's interesting to me about World War II, I'm fascinated by it, but when someone like me, you know, who wasn't around for it, you look back and you know the ending of it. I imagine, like you're saying with your dad, that there are times where it looks, it looks hopeless at times, or it looks like we're not going to win the war. I don't see. I've read a few books on the war, World War II recently by reading books, and I don't see how. I don't see how we won it. Yeah. I tell you, it's it's a miracle we did win. Mm -hmm. From what, what everything that people did, to, that it was so stupid. <laughs> what what was stupid? Even. even even I know better than that. 
Can you think of an example? Well, I know. Well, Midway, all I know is Midway was a turning point. Mm -hmm. And so we had it on, we were in free from the rest of that. And of course, I look at it from a Navy viewpoint. I'm sure Normandy was the turning point mm -hmm. with the Army. Yeah. But in the Pacific, Midway would have been. Yeah. I would think anybody who didn't experience it or know anything about it could just simply could not realize the carnage. During that time, during World War II, are you still in school? I finished college in 1938. Okay. The spring of 38. Mm hmm I was out working yeah. on my own. Okay. That's when I was, I was in Iowa. Yeah, and what were you doing for work? I taught business subjects in Al Cater High School. Okay, yeah, and how long did you teach? Two years, about two years there. And I was, I, in the meanwhile, I had taken a, a federal exam for a, a register of archivists mm -hmm. because I had a history major and I liked to work with history items. I was offered a job with the government Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize then that they were offering everybody who had a, a live body to come to work for the government. <laughs> they were trying to get ready for the war. Mm -hmm. So I went to uh, went to work for the government, and then I went in the Navy, and then I got out of a while and was working for the government again, and then I went back in the quarry. Korean conflict, I went back okay. on active duty then. Okay. And let's see, what have I done? Then I went back to, to work. I did work at the government for a while. And then I retired. Retired Reserve, mm -hmm. 1972. Okay. So were you, were you in the Navy during, were you working for the government during World War II? Well, yes and no. During part of it? I, yes, yes and no, because I was working, part of the time I was working as a civilian mm -hmm. in the Navy Department. Okay. And then the, then the other, part of the time I was on active duty in uniform. Yeah. So what was that like to uh, a, a girl from small town Iowa to get up and go to Washington, D.C.? Well, I guess it was quite a shock if you thought about it. It seems to be this is what you had to do, so you did it. Mm -hmm. It seems like there was a big, a greater sense around that time of this is what you need to do, so you do it. That's right, because there were uh, people in our, where I worked and where I lived and so on, they were all gung-ho and ready to do anything anybody asked them to do. Mm -hmm. And you never, you never really thought about it. I don't remember thinking very much about it, mm -hmm. that this is, we've got to get dig our heels in and get this over with. I don't even actually think about the, the importance of it until I get, uh, say, this card that was sent to me not long ago, which was a retired reserve. It, it seems like a, almost like a dream to me that it wasn't. Does it? 
you learn you learn certain things as you went along. You had you had three on the uniforms. You had to have three skirts. Okay. It's best if you had three skirts. That meant you had one skirt in the dry cleaners. You had one skirt on, and one skirt spare in case you spilled a, mm-hmm. a glass of coke in your lap. Yeah. And that has happened. <laughs> so when you were uh, first started with the Navy, what was your role? Well, the first thing I did was kind of do some uh, personnel statistics. Okay. And you always got assigned to work with a man who didn't like you, didn't think you ought to be in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Women in the Navy was an outrage Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Well, after you'd worked with them a while and done your best, you won them over and you never had a bit of, never had another bit of trouble. Yeah. You just just watched your Q's and P's. and, And then when I went, then I went back into the uh, civilian service. You know, there's an old joke about or a teacher who said, I'm on page page two and you're on page one and I dare you to catch me. <laughs> well, that's the way I was. But I got assigned with negotiating and uh, contracts to overhaul aircraft engines and aircraft. I didn't know a carburetor from an engine. I didn't know anything. Yeah. But I learned in a hurry. Yeah. I was on page two. <laughs> it was a wonderful job. Do I have this right? You were the first female Navy commander, is that right? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think there was, uh, there, there were not so many of us, but, mm. but I don't think we can say that. And certainly nowadays they, they have some, they have, a few, uh, I mean a very few, women admirals. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I got my commander, there weren't many. They weren't, I don't think, any admirals and maybe not even any captains. I'm not sure of that. Mm-hmm. What does commander mean? Well, it's, commander is the same as a, a colonel. Okay. And were you, um, you had talked about doing some work in Washington, D.C. Were you, were you out on the ocean as well? No. Women couldn't go on combat mm. units until well after I was out. Being a bit of a, a pioneer as a woman in the Navy, making all the way to commander, what was, you talked about early on what your experience was like as a woman. Was it, I imagine it was much more difficult throughout being a woman in, in the Navy? Well, of course, I, I had a friend who said, so-and-so would pay our burial expenses if, it, if we could disappear. Some men were nicer than others. Mm-hmm. But I have managed to get along with everybody, but it's easier to get along with everybody than it is to be whiny. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like your approach was get along with people. We've got a job to do. Just take it easy. Keep your eyes, keep your eyes open and ears open. Mm-hmm. And you do pretty well getting along in this world. 
Yeah. <laughs> so then you were working for the Navy up until 1972, or were you, you said you were kind of in and out. W, w, World War II, and I was in the Korean conflict. Korean. And what was your job for that? Well, that's, well, that was when I went into the overhauling aircraft. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that every time we we wrote a contract or we negotiated a contract or anything, if anything was missing, or one of those planes took off from a carrier, I just prayed and hoped that we'd we'd done our job mm -hmm. back on this in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that was mostly Korean. Korean conflict because most of my World War Two was some statistic and handwriting of some handbooks. Mm -hmm. Most of my Korean conflict business was the aircraft overhaul. Okay, and what does that mean? Are you doing engineering or? Well, you had to you had to do the engine up every so often. Okay. And so you, you set the engine down the line and, and somebody, either a contractor or one of the Navy people, mm -hmm. repaired it. Yeah. I guess some of those, those DC-3s are still flying. Really? They were, the, they were the best old planes that ever was that Lord led on this earth. Yeah. So what do you think now with how women have progressed in the, in the military? Well, I think they've made a tremendous progress. Yeah. Although, and anybody in the time I spent in a man's world, I got along fine. Mm -hmm. I don't remember ever being bullied or if you get in a situation it's maybe like a competitive job or something like that. You've got to stand up for your rights, and mm -hmm. you've got to, you don't let anybody bully you. Mm -hmm. And I don't bully anybody at all until I am forced mm -hmm. to that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I love the Navy, and I love my job, and, and there are fine people in the Navy. And the process of Going older, you you're, you're still have all of your wits about you, but your your body doesn't cooperate as much. What's that? What's that feel like in, getting older in, in that way? Well, it's it's too bad that you get so that your body won't work. Mm -hmm. But you think that's growing old. That's part of aging, mm -hmm. and there's no use whining about it. Yeah, I don't have the attitude of why. Why should I? Yeah. Because after all, I, I've had a, a pleasant life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm 39. I have a young kid, another one on the way. Uh, and I'm always interested in people that are much older than me looking back. What, 
what should I be valuing and what should I be putting my time towards? And I get, I get distracted, but what, what are the important things in life when, now from your perspective? Well, I think, the, I think the most important thing in the world is to learn to read. I think that if you can read and know what's going on in the world, that you're a better person. Mm -hmm. I kind of think maybe, I think something that's important to me is needlepoint. I love to do needlepoint. Mm -hmm. And that, if, you, if you're anger or, or somebody, somebody, you just go, wham, wham, wham. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what you, that's what you get when you do needlepoint. You get to stick somebody. <laughs> it's stress relief. You get to poke something with something sharp. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, one thing, I have a grandmother who's 96, and I love talking to her. And um, one of the things I love talking to her about that I think has been lost that your generation had is this idea of civic duty or civic responsibility to, to be engaged and to take care. You have part of your duty is to take care of other people and, and, and that sort of thing. And I, I feel like I do see that that, that, that sort of thing is, is kind of lost. That we have an obligation to, that we have an obligation outside of our, just ourselves. Well, uh, the, way, the other night, we, we, I was, I just saw a, a bit of, a, a little bit of one program that was a documentary on some subject. I think they were talking about Pearl Harbor. And then World War II, people collected everything to put into the war effort. They brought uh, food to the trains to mm -hmm. feed the soldiers. Mm -hmm. And everybody wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think we have that. Everybody's tied up with his, their, their computer. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't. My sister just couldn't wait till I bought a computer. And I said, okay, I'll buy one. And I never could learn how to keep a mouse under control. Mm -hmm. and so when I moved, to, I bought a condominium here. And after I bought that, I just stored the... And I don't know where, I don't know where the, when I broke up housekeeping, I don't know where the machine went. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere out there. <laughs> well, I hope I, I don't think I'm a very good interviewer. Oh, you are great. This is fascinating for me. I just love it. Hey, Andrea, this is Jeff, and uh, Virginia was needing a little bit of help. Hey, I am on my way. All right. No, this is, it is a, it was a real treat for me to talk to you. I, well, I, I just, I, I love the Navy and I wish I were, could help out now. I don't know if there's anything you can, that I can do, but. You'd still love to be able to help. Yeah. I could, I guess I could pour some money into something. There you have it, Virginia True. You can tell that she still loved the Navy. And she, 
came from this generation where you're just like, you work hard. That's what you do. You work hard. <laughs> and I, I really like that. I really admire that. Um, there you go. Um, here's what I need to tell you about. Oh, our credits. The music for this episode comes from the Jin J X group's album Songs for Liz. You can find that on Spotify or you can find Jin on Facebook. It's J-I-N-J-X. The podcast artwork is done by Tyler Snodgrass. Um, he's very good. That's all you need to know. Virginia True. Thank you. Thinking about all the families they love. My heroes they give.